This is Johnny, the chubby, Caucasian, Christian, closeted conservative. Some might say I'm everything wrong with the world, but don't take their word for it. Make up your own mind. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Chubby Caucasian Christian Closeted Conservative. I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I hope uh, Santa was nice to everybody. How about this concept of Santa? St. Nicholas, the great saint that would give out gifts, sold everything he had to give out gifts, would give you the shirt off of his back, and now Santa embodies this idea. And the only requirement for Santa to give you a gift is that you are kind and nice to your fellow man. You don't have to give Santa a gift to receive gifts. The only requirement is that you are kind and gentle and friendly to your fellow man and respect and honor your parents. That's it. That's it. And we mustn't forget the true meaning of Christmas. The, The true reason that we celebrate is the greatest gift that God ever gave man, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That whosoever will believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I've read a lot of mixed articles about this time of year. Theologists argue whether this is the actual time of year, the actual season where Jesus was born. It's all really irrelevant. It's just nice that we set these days aside to celebrate the birth and life of Christ. And if you allow for some reasonable doubt, the the three wise men and Herod most likely did follow the North Star. The the Earth's axis is almost pointed directly at the North Star. So overnight, it doesn't rise and set, but it remains visible almost the entire night on the northern horizon year round. And even though it may not be the brightest star in the sky, If you know the general direction of north, you can usually spot out the North Star in the uh, Northern Hemisphere. But uh, none of that is actually as important as setting the time aside to acknowledge the greatest gift that was ever given man and spend some time praising and worshiping and giving thanks and spending time with family to acknowledge the birth of Christ. How crazy is it that on Jesus's birthday, the the time that we set aside to celebrate Jesus's birthday and acknowledge that, that we give each other gifts. I wish at my birthday or my birthday party when we celebrated that, that people would give and bring gifts for others besides me. And we have a manger set up in our house and retell the story of his birth. It's always like that awkward part of the evening where your parents begin telling all of your friends or whoever is there at dinner when their water broke. And I told that doctor, you know, you got to get this baby out of me. And I didn't get an epidural or whatever. It's it's similar. that It's such a human thing to do to retell those milestone events in our life and where we were and what we were doing to be similar to your parents or even your children having like a (laughs) recreation of the the hospital room like a little model to scale of the hospital room that you were born in and the doctors and nurses that were in there and it's just if you think about it like that it's just it is a very human thing to do i also want to thank all my listeners out there who have been involved in my facebook page and really reacting to my previous episode where Facebook had fact-checked me and did not want me to or didn't even want to allow the conversation of comparing 
Kyle Rittenhouse and Timothy Simpkins. They really want to control the narrative and, and not allow that conversation. And when you don't allow that conversation, it really doesn't force you to dwell and meditate on your morals and ethics and what you think, what type of policies are needed at that time. And this is um, another example of where this identity politics continuously comes into play. If you can remove the debate and discussion about actual policies and boil it down to racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, whatever phobic you can think of, if you can boil it down to that, then you don't have to have a conversation about policies. And it doesn't matter what you actually do. If you are labeled a racist or have some sort of phobia, it doesn't matter what you do. I got my current job under the presidency of Donald Trump. And the previous field of work I was in, I actually received a promotion where I went to another company to do the same work I was doing before. But I received a promotion. After I received that promotion... I got out of that field and I went into another job, another field, where I had to take a very minor pay cut, but the benefits really outweighed that pay cut. I got weekends and holidays off. I was able to spend more time with my family and help out around the house more. All of these things, I think, make up for that pay gap, and I didn't have any more 50, 60-hour work weeks. Overtime is available at my current job, but it's not forced or or needed as much as it was in my previous field of work. Well, I would like to attribute this to the economy under Donald Trump's watch. And I just want to point out a few articles. There was a January 8th, 2018 article, an NPR article, that fact-checked Trump's unemployment rates. This article starts off by saying the job market is strong right now with a 4.1% unemployment rate and President Trump knows it. In his State of the Union address, he said he is proud that African-American unemployment stands at the lowest rate ever recorded and Hispanic American unemployment has also reached the lowest levels in history. When they go on to fact check this, they say Trump's numbers are right, but it's generally a stretch for presidents to take credit for job creation. This is a October 4th, 2019 CNBC article. Black and Hispanic unemployment is at a record low. There have never been more black and Hispanic Americans in the workforce. Friday's Labor Department job report showed that the jobless rate for Hispanic hit a record low of 3.9% in September, while African Americans maintained its lowest rate ever at 5.5%. Then in January 17, 2020, the Washington Post put out an article. Trump takes credit for low black unemployment rates. Most black voters disagree. The Post reports a 77% majority of black Americans says Trump deserves only some or hard any credit for the 5.5% unemployment rate among black adults compared with 20% who say Trump deserves significant credit. In follow-up interviews, many said former President Barack Obama deserves more credit for the improvements in the unemployment rate, which declined from a high of 16.8% in 2010 to 7.5% when he left office. Further down this article, it goes to say the unemployment rate, including for black Americans, has been steadily decreasing since 2011. This 
This continued after Trump took office, suggesting that it isn't much evidence he is single-handedly responsible for the decline. One might argue Trump deserves praise for overseeing the continued drop in unemployment, as he could have made harmful decisions that reverse the direction of the economy. But again, factors beyond the president's action also help keep the economy moving in the right direction. You would think all of this would be good things, things that everybody could get behind and support. I believe that I benefited from some of these decisions. Even if this Washington Post, if you would like to say, I benefited from factors beyond the president's action that helped keep the economy moving in the right direction. This Washington Post article goes on to speculate that Donald Trump is confused about why he can't reach minority voters. There's a sentence in here that says, it is unclear whether Trump understands why black voters who largely view him as racist want him to be defeated. And this is why identity politics is so important to the liberals is because they can't argue policies. They can't debate policies. We just went over stats that Donald Trump did for minorities, job creation, unemployment rates, setting all-time lows. But that doesn't matter if they can pin him as racist. And when you continue to play this identity politics... You don't have to argue policies. For instance, let, let's just take the school system. I was in a conversation with a liberal, Larry. We were talking about schools. And of course, you can't discuss policies with these liberals without bringing race into it. He believed that the way to solve uh, school failing school systems was to throw more money into minority communities. I posed a question and then was immediately labeled as racist. But my question was, how much money do we throw at a problem until we consider that the money is not going to solve the problem? And the fact that I wanted to think outside the box and have a conversation about policies, I was labeled a racist because money is obviously not solving this problem. We need to continue to give money to schools, but we also need to weed out programs, policies, teachers, administrators that are holding the system back. And when you make this identity politics and you label me a racist for not wanting to solve this issue with just throwing money at it, you don't have to defend your point of view. You immediately claim the high ground and anyone who doesn't fall in line with that is wrong, is incorrect. Whereas I would like to have a discussion about policies. However, when you are not consistent, when you don't have the same standard all the way around, when it comes to this moral high ground, you look like a fool, number one, and I would consider you a hypocrite. So if you want to take the moral high ground, if you want to play identity politics, let's give, let me give you a little refresher course on our current president. According to the United States intelligence community, domestic terrorism from white supremacists is the most lethal terrorist threat in the homeland. To that end, our administration is carrying out the first ever comprehensive effort to tackle the threat passed by domestic, posed by domestic terrorism, including white supremacy. We're doing so by taking action to reduce online radicalism and recruitment to violence. We're also disrupting networks that inspire violence and domestic terrorists by providing resources to communities to build resilience. We cannot and must not give hate any safe harbor any safe harbor. Middle East. 
And we're going to work in close cooperation with our European and other partners as we proceed. We'll also work together to lock down fissile and radiological material to prevent terrorist groups from acquiring and using them. Look, the range of challenges Europe and the United States must take on together is broad and complex. And I'm eager to hear, I'm eager to hear, eager to hear next. I don't know about you, but that sounded like the N-word to me. And maybe, maybe it was an accident, maybe. But I love, I love playing the white supremacy domestic terrorist and then, you know, go into the montage. I, there's more. Let's hear more. From my good friends and outstanding leaders, Senator Merkel, about her thoughts on the way forward together. But, uh, you know, I've adopted the attitude of the great Negro at the time. You heard that correctly. Right. I'm not I'm not crazy. I don't want to take it out of context. So let's keep going. Pitcher in the Negro Leagues went on to become a great pitcher in the pros in the Major League Baseball after Jackie Robinson. His name was Satchel Page and Satchel Page on his 47th birthday pitched a win. On a unrelated note, that's not true. Satchel Page did not win the game that he played on his uh, birthday. USA Today fact check that. Against Chicago. <laughs> and all the press went in and said, Satch, it's amazing. 47 years old. No one's ever, ever pitched a win at age 47. How do you feel about being 47? He said, boys, that's not how I look at it. I said, how do you look at it, Satch? I said, I look at it this way. How old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? In a confidential uh, portions of your staff memo, they brought to your attention the allegation that important legislators and legislators in defeating the Nunez plan in the basement said, quote, we already have a bear, we don't need any more big shots. And the court cited evidence of discriminatory intent on the part of other legislators, including the representative who testified at the court hearing that there were legislators, quote, who don't feel they wanted to have a district that would be able to elect a black representative. And, uh, you know, although he doesn't give actual evidence of intent, we have uh, the conclusion of someone uh, who, as I understand it, uh, everyone considers an expert. Jairus Leonard, President Nixon's former assistant attorney general for civil rights, said, quote, this redistricting plan is, quote, one of the most egregious and blatant racial gerrymanders that I have ever seen. I played the whole thing because I didn't want to take it out of context. Joe Biden was actually quoting someone here, but a woke individual told me and some other articles that I've read as a chubby Caucasian Christian closeted conservative, I can't even say the name of a certain Richard Pryor album. And another thing I'd like to point out is the difference between Joe Biden of then and the Joe Biden of now. But wait, there's more. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. Cause it's I a, will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. As also noted, Robert C. Byrd was a parliamentary library, a keeper of the institution of the Senate, and he was the institution itself. But to me... And many people here today, like guys I see, Bill Bradley and Jim Sasser, who've long left the Senate for greener pastures. And I hope better remuneration. We used to kid about that too, but 
I, uh, for a lot of us, he was a friend. And he was a mentor and he was a guide. Robert C. Byrd was also part of a little outfit known as the Ku Klux Klan. According to a Rudders fact check, there was some false information going around that he was the Grand Wizard of the KKK. He was not the Grand Wizard of the KKK. The Rudders article goes on to say that in 1940, Byrd was actually, so he wasn't the Grand Wizard or whatever. He was some sort of exalted cyclops where he recruited 150 people to join the West Virginia chapter of the KKK. But it's okay because he apologized for his membership during his youth. And according to the National Constitution Center, powerful senators Richard Russell, Thurman, Robert Byrd, William Fulbright, and Sam Irvin filibustered the 1964 Civil Rights Act. This was when you had to stand up there and talk to filibuster. They did it for 60 days. And you remember what Biden called him, right? He was a mentor and he was a guide. I've referenced this Rudders article before, but it's just an amazing article. They reference this meme that says Robert Byrd is the Grand Wizard and friends with Joe Biden. Joe Biden delivered a eulogy for Robert Byrd, which is true. And the Rudders article says it's true, but it simply it labels it partially false because he wasn't the Grand Wizard. He was just some cyclops who recruited individuals. By the way, Rudders, just want you to know, partially false to me means mostly true and let's not forget what joe biden said about barack obama when they were running mates i mean you got the first sort of mainstream african-american yeah who is articulate and bright and and, and clean and nice looking guy i mean it's that's a storybook man can you imagine if a conservative ever said anything like that about barack obama Instantly labeled a racist. Instantly. And then once you get there, you don't have to talk about policies. You don't have to. So we have all of these examples, all these faux pas from Joe Biden. The fact that I am even pointing them out probably makes me racist. And whenever I'm whenever I have a liberal Larry in front of me, I'm always tempted to say, you know, Barack Obama, that's just a storybook. He's the first kind of clean, mainstream looking guy, good looking guy. I'm always tempted to do it. But even though Donald Trump did all of this for minorities, lowest unemployment rates, he's still labeled racist. And there's there's only two instances that I can think of that I could find. One was during the debate where he was asked to condemn the Proud Boys. And I wish he would have. That was a mistake on his end. I wish he would have. Donald Trump, however, is the type of individual who, if you tell him to do something, he doesn't want to do it. I kind of wish he would have just, you know, all this audio I've played for you. I kind of wish he would have just stumbled over the word eager and dropped the N word because apparently that is acceptable. The second thing, too, which is taken very much out of context, was when he spoke about the incident in Charlottesville. It was an awful incident. I saw the same photos that he references in this audio. But the media played it up when he said there were fine people. The media played it up like he was talking about the neo-Nazis and white supremacy. Now, following Donald Trump's presidency and his campaign and his politics, this doesn't really line in with things he said in the past. And in fact, I will play this audio for you from beginning to end where he finally does say neo-Nazis and white supremacists should be condemned. Here we go. Putting what you're calling the alt-left and 
white supremacists on the same moral plane. I'm not putting anybody on a moral plane. What I'm saying is this. You had a group on one side and you had a group on the other and they came at each other with clubs and it was vicious and it was horrible and it was a horrible thing to watch. But there is another side. There was a group on this side, you can call them the left, you've just called them the left, that came violently attacking the other group. So you can say what you want, but that's the way it is. Well, I do think there's blame, yes. I think there's blame on both sides. You look at, you look at both sides. I think there's blame on both sides, and I have no doubt about it, and you don't have any doubt about it either. And, 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 and if you reported it accurately, you would say. And you had some very bad people in that group. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group, excuse me, excuse me, I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we going to take down, excuse me, are we going to take down, are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. Are we going to take down the statue? Because he was a major slave owner. Now we're going to take down his statue. So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history. You're changing culture. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Now, in the other group also, you had some fine people, but you also had troublemakers. So someone who denounced neo-Nazis, had the lowest unemployment record for minorities, is still considered racist. When you play identity politics, like I've said, you don't have to discuss policies. You can talk about morals and ethics, and I will indulge that conversation to a certain point. But I'd much rather have a conversation about trickle-down economics, cutting taxes, lowering unemployment. Those are things that are important to me. Peace through strength, free speech. Those type of policies and procedures are important to me. Because I know that no man is perfect. There's only been one perfect individual to ever walk this earth, and his name was Jesus Christ. Every other man has sinned and has fallen short, has skeletons in their closet, has made mistakes. I didn't play all that audio to prove that Joe Biden is a racist. I did it in an attempt to open your eyes, to try to take away identity politics, especially when there really isn't any. And that's going to wrap us up for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to rate, like, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search the Chubby Caucasian Christian Closeted Conservative and look for my eagle. A family member of mine painted that eagle, and I loved it so much that she gave me the original. Now, she has a Redbubble account. She's very talented, very patriotic. So just go on over to Redbubble, search Robin and Brown. That's Robin as the bird, N as the letter, Brown as the color. There's also a link 
to her website, her Redbubble account, in my description. And we will see you later.